And uh, this has been Youth Week. Our young people have been enjoying a great time of fellowship, prayer, and Friday night rally. And God has been doing amazing things. We have a powerful preacher of the gospel here with us today. Brother Myron Weidman Jr., and we're so thankful from Atlanta, Georgia. We're so thankful that his wife, Sister Tanya Weidman, God bless her, and their children are here with him. They, the whole Weidman family was able to come and be with us, and we're very grateful for that. This is a wonderful family. I have had the great privilege of preaching at DeKalb United Pentecostal Church in Stone Mountain, Georgia, on a number of occasions. And uh, Pastor Weidman Sr., Pastor Weidman Jr., uh, men of God. Uh, Brother Weidman's father has spoken a word of prophecy over your pastor on a number of occasions, giving me strength, giving me encouragement, inspiration, confirming the word of God for me. And I have, I have just uh, loved this family and been so appreciative of their ministry to so many people. To have Brother Weidman here today to preach to Tree of Life Church is indeed an honor. We want to receive them in the name of the Lord. Could we give them a great big hand clap? Brother Weidman, God bless you. Come on, let's lift our hands and continue to worship the Lord for a few moments. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands all across this house. And I want you to lift your voice right now, begin to worship the Lord and thank Him for what He's done already in this house. Thank Him for what He's doing right now. Thank Him for what He's getting ready to do in the next few moments. Come on, that's it, all across this house. Give Him the fruit of your lips. Lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice. He's done incredible things already in our midst and He's just beginning. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, God. We lift you up. We magnify you, God. We exalt you. We extol you, God. We welcome you in this house today, Lord God. Have your way, Father. Do whatever you want to do, God. Not our will, but your perfect will be done in this house, Lord God. Heal, Lord God. Deliver. Save, God. Set the captives free, Lord God. We just want you to be glorified, God, in this house today, Lord God. We give you praise and we give you glory. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Come on and clap your hands one more time and give them a praise in here. Come on, clap your hands and give them praise in here. And one more time, thank him for everything that he has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because the truth of the matter is, is that he did not have to let any of us live. Amen. Some people went to sleep last night, did not wake up this morning. Amen. But here we are. It's a joy to be in his service. I said, it's a joy to be in his house, even if it's just one more time. Amen. We're thankful for the spirit of worship, the spirit of liberty and freedom that we feel in this house this morning. God is definitely, he is definitely among us and he is ready to move and he is ready to operate. Amen. In this house today. Amen. Before we get into the word of the Lord, I do want to give honor, want to give double honor to your pastor and first lady, pastor and Sister Urshan, let's put our hands together for them and give God praise for the woman and man of God of this house. Come on, let's do a little better than that. Come on, this is your pastor, your shepherd, your watchman on the wall, your feeder, your teacher. Amen. We honor, we honor the ministry of pastor and first lady Urshan. I said this Friday night, your pastor, he is well respected. Amen. Has a voice, influence, not only 
in our organization, but even beyond. I have respected, I have admired this man of God, amen, and for many years from afar and up close, as he's mentioned, he's been to our church back home in Atlanta on many occasions, and every time he's with us, amen, he always blesses our congregation, and we are better, amen, after hearing the ministry of Pastor Joel Urshan. So we love him and his family so much, and you guys ought to be proud that this is your pastor, this is your first lady. Because if y'all don't want them, we'll take them back home with us to Atlanta. Amen. 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 We love them and respect them so much. Such a privilege to be here today. Give honor. Amen. To my elders as well. Brother and Sister Fuller and Brother and Sister Enos. We give God praise for these apostolic elders. Come on, let's put our hands together for them. We are standing on their shoulders. And we honor them. Amen. And we appreciate all that they have done for the kingdom as well. Glad to have my family. My wife is here on the front row. Amen. Our two kids, I think they're in Sunday school. I don't see them. I hope, I hope that's where they are. Amen. Amen. They're in Sunday school. Our son, he, he will be eight next month. And our daughter, uh, with her bad, spoiled self, she's three years old. Amen. And I'm always talking about how spoiled she is, but then the rebuttal is, who spoiled her? So I, I had to take the blame for that. So hopefully they're not terrorizing the other students and other kids. Amen. And hopefully somebody will pray them through and they get the Holy Ghost all over again. Amen. They need it. They need it. Amen. Amen. But I'm so glad to have my family. The book of John chapter 14. I know you're standing such a beautiful presence of God. Amen. In this house today. His hand is on this ministry. His hand is on this church. Amen. And this is just the beginning of what God is getting ready to do. Amen. With tree of life. Amen. John chapter 14. We'll commence at verse 1. Read a few verses and I'll let you be seated. When you have it, say amen. If not, say hold on. I heard a few hold ons, but the majority rules, so amen. Let's ride. John chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 7, if ye had known me, ye should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it sufficeth us, it satisfies us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that have seen me have seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Verse 11 of John chapter 14, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. That's KJV. I want to read that same verse, verse 11 from John chapter 14. From the NIV, the New International Version translation. It translates verse 11 this way. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
or at least believe on the evidence. Everybody shout evidence. Everybody shout evidence. Jesus said, believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. For a few moments on this Sunday morning, this Sunday afternoon, I simply want to use this question. I want to use this interrogative as my subject. Where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? Ask somebody next to you very quickly, where is the evidence? Where is, where is the evidence? You can be seated in the presence of of the Lord. Where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? Here in our text, John chapter 14, we find Jesus having a consolatory discourse with his disciples. We have to look back at the previous chapter, John chapter 13, to quickly find some context of why Jesus is now having to console and to comfort his disciples. In John chapter 13, while partaking of the Last Supper, Jesus announced to them that he had to go away. He said that when I go away, you cannot come with me. He then tells them that the one who was getting ready to betray him was sitting in the room. So this is here where our text picks up in John chapter 14 where the disciples, they are scared, they are anxious, and they are a little unnerved. So Jesus begins to comfort and console them and tell them things such as, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He told them, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go and prepare a place for you. And he said, don't worry, because if I'm going and preparing a place for you, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. He said, you know where I'm going. And he said, not only that, but you know how to get there. But then Thomas interrupts Jesus and says unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. On top of that, he says, we don't even know the way. I want to inject this as I'm building my case here. It was Muhammad that said he found the way. It was Buddha that said he knows the way. But in John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus goes on to say, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. Subsequently, you know him and have seen him. Philip then asked the critical question in John chapter 14 verse 8. Lord, please show us the Father. And we will be satisfied. Philip, he was not speaking out of turn. He just wanted to know where is the evidence that we've seen the father. Jesus replied to him, have I been so long with you? And yet, Philip, you still don't know who I am. He that have seen me have seen the father. How can you say show us the father? He went on to say, you don't believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus then went on to say, if that's not enough evidence to make you believe in me, he said, then the evidence of my miracles ought to be enough. Hear me as I'm building my case this morning, Jesus 
He was telling them, he was trying to let them know, inform them that they had not only been walking with humanity. He was trying to let them know that they had also been walking with divinity. Hear me in this house this morning. Unbeknown to them, they had been journeying with the God man. Mm -hmm. You have to understand, church, that Jesus, he had the body of a man, but yet he had the power of God. He was all man, but still at the same time, he was all God. And maybe I'm losing some of the beginning of my message. So let me see if I can connect the dots for you. Jesus, he was man enough to be born of a woman. But yet he was God enough to create the mother he was born from. I'm just trying to see if y'all know who I'm talking about. A little more monitor, please. Uh, Jesus was man enough uh, to drink his mother's milk. But yet he was God enough to produce the milk inside of his mama. That I'm just trying to see if y'all know who I'm talking about this morning. Jesus was man enough to thirst for water. But yet he was still God enough to walk on water. Y'all still know who I'm talking about, I guess. Uh, Jesus, hear me now. Uh, he was man enough to get hungry, uh, but yet he was God enough to feed 5,000 uh, with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Uh, Y'all excuse me. I'm just talking about Jesus today. Uh, he was man enough uh, to have to withdraw himself sometimes uh, and have to go pray, but yet uh, he was God enough uh, to answer his own prayers. Uh, he was man enough to get tired in his flesh but yet he was God enough to never sleep nor slumber he was man enough to cry and shed tears but yet he was God enough to wipe away every tear from your eye he was man enough I feel like preaching this morning he was man enough to cut himself and bleed sometimes but yet he was God enough to kill the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 long years he was man enough enough uh, to be late to his friend's funeral uh, but yet he was God enough uh, to say I may not come when you want me to come uh, but I'm always on time uh, he said Lazarus come forth I wish y'all know who I was preaching about this morning. He was man enough to die on a cross. He was man enough to be buried in Joseph's tomb. But yet he was God enough after three days to resurrect his own body and come walking downtown Jerusalem and say all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He was full man but full God at the same time. That was enough evidence. Little more monitor, please. That was uh, enough evidence to show uh, that he was the almighty God. Uh, Y'all better hear me today. Hear me now. Uh, he was trying to show them that he was uh, the almighty God walking on earth uh, as the express image uh, of God. That's why 1 Timothy 3.16 says, uh, And without controversy great uh, is the mystery of godliness here it is God uh, he was manifest in the flesh uh, he was justified in the spirit uh, do we still get excited about apostolic doctrine uh, he 
was seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles. Believe, hear me now, on in the world and received up until glory. He told his disciples, if I'm not enough evidence in myself, he said, then the works and the miracles that I have performed, that ought to be enough to show you that I'm almighty God. Now you have to understand, you have to understand. Now, my name is Myron Weidman Jr. When I was born, my parents gave me Junior as a suffix because when I came into this world, there was already another Myron Weidman here. When my son was born almost eight years ago, my wife and I, we fought over the name, but I won that battle. Amen. Amen. We named him Myron Weidman III. He was given third as a suffix because when he was born, there were already two Myron Weidmans here. But if you look in Scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. I need you to notice it did not say Jesus Jr. Y'all don't want to have church. It did not say Jesus the third. You want to know why? Because there's nobody before him. And ain't nobody coming. Y'all excuse my down south. Ain't nobody coming after him. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the God which was, which is, and which is to come. He looked to the left, confide nobody. Looked to the right, confide nobody. He said, I swear all by myself. He's not some second person in the Trinity. He's God and God alone. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He doesn't dwell in the Godhead. The Godhead is in him. All right, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm just being practical and pragmatic for a few moments. When, when I was younger, when I was, when I was growing up, good to see you, Brother Sister Kelly. Amen. Long friends, long friends. Amen. When I was growing up, when I was growing up and somebody would call our house and my mom would pick up the phone and somebody on the other end would say, is Myron available? She would say, which one? Because it was two of us. Now it's three of us. They say, Myron, we don't know. Everybody turn, unless you can tell from the tone. I heard that tone. She must be talking to the, amen, the baby Myron. Amen. amen. But she would say, which one do you want? Because there's more than one Myron here in this house. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've never prayed to heaven and said, Jesus. And the angel said, which one? <laughs> Maybe this is too practical for some of you. I don't know. Don't worry. I get spiritual in a minute. I, I've never heard the angel say, uh, do you want the father? Let, let, let me see if the Holy Ghost is on lunch break. Um, I, I think uh, the son is back from vacation. No, ma'am, no, sir. When I shout, Jesus. God help me. When I shout Jesus, I get the Father. I get the Son. 
y'all ain't here. I get the Holy Ghost. I get the mighty God. I get the bright and morning star. I get Jehovah Jireh. I get the rose of shit. When I shout Jesus, I get everything wrapped up in that name. I was somebody just throw your head back and shout Jesus. I was somebody lift your voice and shout Jesus. All right, I got to build my case. Be seated for a few moments. Evidence. Everybody shout evidence. Evidence is defined as the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or a proposition is true or valid. Evidence, it helps somebody come to a particular conclusion. Hear me now, the difference of somebody being found guilty of a crime or being acquitted of a crime. It usually comes down to the evidence that has been submitted. The question is, do you have any DNA? Do you have any pictures? Do you have uh, any phone records? Do you have any emails, any text messages? Uh, Do you have uh, any evidence? It does not matter what you think. It does not matter what you feel. The million dollar question is, where is the evidence? And for years, people have been dissing and disrespecting God in the sense that he does not exist. They have been trying to debunk and disprove that Jesus is still alive. They say that he was a man just like any other man that died and stayed dead. They are screaming at us, if God is real, then where is The evidence. And Jesus is on the edge of his seat. Waiting and hoping that somebody. Will just stand up. And make his presence visible. I heard this story not too long ago. There was a story of a college professor. Story said that the college professor was an atheist. He taught a class on human development. And at the end of the year. He would always conclude his class by saying. uh, There is no God. He would then ask, does anybody want to stand up and prove me wrong? He would then proceed to take a piece of chalk. Hear me now. He would hold this piece of chalk up in the air and say, I'm getting ready to drop this piece of chalk on the ground. And if there is a God, he can stop it from breaking. The professor did this, y'all, every year. And guess what? The chalk broke Every time he did this for 20 years and nobody dared to say anything until one year. The professor went through his same ritual as he did every year. On the last day of class, he shouted, there is no God. He then asked, does anybody want to stand up and prove me wrong? He was silent for about five seconds. But this year, a voice arose from the background. And said, there is a God. And his name is Jesus. The professor was was shocked. He was surprised that after all these years, somebody had the unmitigated goal to stand up and challenge him in his class. So the professor said, stand up, young man, and repeat yourself. Thinking that the man was going to get scared and say, well, I didn't say nothing. This young man stood up. He said, all right. He said what I said the first time, and I'll say it again. There is a God. 
and his name is Jesus. I can imagine Gosling. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to have some fun in here now. The professor was now red in the face and said, okay, challenge accepted. He said, I'll drop this chalk as I do every year, and it will break as it does every year. He said, but young man, if there really is a God, doesn't he have the power to at least stop this little piece of chalk from breaking? The, man, the young man said, yes, sir, he has that power. Challenge accepted. Drop it this year, sir, and let's see what happens. So uh, the professor this year, y'all, he nervously took the chalk. And he held it up as high as he could this year. And then he proceeded to drop it. Hear me now. But the story said as he dropped the chalk this time, the chalk slipped out of his hand. The chalk hit the cuff of his shirt and rolled down his pants and made a smooth landing with no breaking. All the students stood up. They started cheering. They started screaming. And the story said the professor, he grabbed his stuff and he ran out of that classroom. And that young man came down and he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ to over 300 college students. Y'all better hear me today. Jesus, he is waiting on somebody who is unashamed. He's waiting on somebody who is unapologetic, who will stand up and put both of their feet down and will represent him in this evil and blasphemous world. Because the world is mocking us. They're scoffing us and they're asking us this question uh, where is uh, the evidence uh, and we who have experienced Jesus uh, we need to look at every devil uh, look at every atheist uh, look at every agnostic uh, look at every skeptic every cynic uh, and say if you want to see some evidence uh, then all you have to do is look at me uh, because I am a walking miracle uh, who am I preaching to in this house uh, you want to tell every devil uh, you want to see some evidence uh, that there must be a God somewhere uh, all you got to do is look in my life uh, because I am a living testimony uh, and I'm only here today uh, because there is a God hear me in this house I had a person tell me uh, I had a person tell me the other day they said Myron uh, they said give me proof that Jesus ever existed uh, they said there is no God they challenged me uh, they said prove to me Myron that Jesus ever lived so uh, of course I took them to the Bible first and I showed them uh, how he was born of a virgin how he enrobed himself in flesh uh, he came and died for the sins of the world resurrected his body uh, he went back to heaven and sent his spirit back to us and they said well all that comes from the Bible and men wrote the Bible I explained to them I said every word that's written in the Bible was written by holy men who were inspired by God that's 2nd Peter 1 and 21 they still were not convinced so they asked me again they said no you tell me I don't want to hear from nobody else you tell me how do you know that Jesus is real you have to understand the end vision I was talking to they're so cerebral they're so uh, cognitive they're so intellectual uh, everything has to make sense for them so uh, the Holy Ghost quickened me and I said you know what uh, I said forget about science uh, I said forget about theology uh, I said forget about history uh, I said let me tell you how I know my God is real 
And they leaned in a little bit and I said, you want me to tell you how I know that God is real? I said, because I have experienced him for myself. They said, hold on. They said, what do you mean you've experienced him? They said, you have never physically seen God. And I said, that's right. I have never seen him. I said, but I've experienced him. I said, here it is right here. I said, you've never seen gravity. You've never seen oxygen. But yet you are enjoying both of them right now. I said, you don't have to see it. I said, you don't have to see it uh, to enjoy and to experience it. Uh, I may have never physically seen God with my eyes, uh, but I have felt him. Uh, I've experienced him uh, from the crown of my head uh, to the soles of my feet. Uh, when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, there was something that came out of me. There was something uh, that came over me. Hear me now. Uh, and nobody can steal that away from you. Uh, nobody can take that away from you. Uh, don't let folks try to trip you up uh, with their theological jargon uh, and their religious rhetoric. Uh, you just look at them uh, and say, you can't steal my testimony. Uh, you can't steal my experience uh, because one day I was lost uh, and Jesus saved my sin sick soul. Uh, I have experienced him for myself. And I'm just wondering in this sanctified house today, uh, is it only me or there anybody else in this house uh, who can say, I have a testimony. Uh, I've experienced Christ. Uh, I've experienced Jesus. Uh, and nobody can lie to me and tell me he's not real. Uh, nobody can trip me up uh, and tell me that he's still dead. Uh, but how many people know that God is still alive uh, and he lives inside of me. Uh, he walks with me and talks with me uh, and tells me I'm his own. talked about this a little bit uh, on Friday night. Uh, hear me, nobody can steal your testimony. Nobody uh, can steal your experience away from you. Uh, you may not be able to exegete the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, uh, but you know what God did for you. You remember in the midnight hour when nobody was around uh, and it was just you and Jesus uh, and he rocked you uh, and he told you that everything was going to be all right. Uh, you remember when you wanted to, you was thinking about committing suicide. Uh, you was low and depressed, uh, but the Holy Ghost gave you peace uh, that passive all understanding. Uh, you remember when you should have died in that car accident, uh, but yet Jesus touched your body. Uh, you see, people can't take that away from you. Uh, people can't steal that away from you. You just let the world know. You want to see some evidence that there is a God? You're looking at evidence. Every time you see me, every time you hear me, there ought to be enough evidence. I grew up in the church. I grew up. Uh, I grew up in the church. I shared this a little bit Friday night. Uh, I grew up in the church. Great men of God around me uh, and raised me right and raised me in the church. Uh, I was a Bible quizzer for eight years. Uh, I mean, I was in Sunday school every year. I received the Holy Ghost at seven years old, sitting on my mama's lap. Uh, I was baptized in Jesus' name uh, at seven years of age. Uh, but by the age of 15 and 16, I backslid uh, and I went away from 
God. I went away from the church. I got involved in gang activity. I started smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol. I was doing all kind of vile and filthy stuff. I was getting in trouble with the law. I was facing two felonies on my record at one time. I was on my way to a devil's hell. But about 15 years ago at a Friday night service, a man of God walked over to me and put his finger in my face. And he said, young man, I don't know who you are, but God has told me to come tell you that this is the last time that I'm going to call you. You want to know what I did that night 15 years ago? I fell on my face and I started crying and repenting and saying, God, there's too much anointing on my life. There's too much power in my life. There's too much ministry and destiny on my life. I can't go out like this. And let me tell you, 15 years ago, he changed my life. Y'all better hear me now. He gave me a family I don't deserve. He put me in the ministry. He gave me an anointing I did not qualify for. You want to know why I don't care what folks think about me? You want to know why I preach like I preach? Because he made me evident. He made me evident. He changed my life. He took me from the streets and put me behind a pulpit. You can't tell me there's not a God somewhere. My mama couldn't do it. My daddy couldn't do it. The system couldn't do it. It took a God that was powerful like him who reached down and picked me up. I wish I had a witness in this house. I wish I had a witness in this house who can testify and say it's not just you young man but he made me evidence. He changed my life. He took me from the sin of the world and made me to who I am today. You see, that's the problem with some church folk. That's the problem with some church folk. Is that after God saves us, after he cleans us, after he anoints us, we want to come to church and act all dignified. We want to act all super righteous. We want to act sometimes stuck up and forget about what God has done for us. Well, some of y'all can sit there all you want and fold your arms and cross your legs. Maybe your life was perfect. Maybe you never made any mistakes. But y'all looking at somebody who should be in prison right now. You're looking at somebody who should be dead right now. Who should be in hell right now. But he made me evident. There's no way in the world I can be quiet. There's no way in the world I can sit down on my worship. How can I sit down on my praise when he's done this much for me? He's been so good to me and if I'm talking about you you ought to take a few seconds and give God some praise in this house you ought to take a few seconds and just throw your hands up and say thank you for making me evidence so many people died around me so many people lost their mind around me but you made me evidence Come on, you ought to give God some better praise than that. You ought to give God some better thanks than that. You ought to give God some better worship than that. He could have left you dead, sleeping in your grave. But he made you evidence. He made me evidence. He made me evidence. It amazes me, Pastor Hershon. I know it don't happen here, 
where I'm from down south, it amazes me. How if they got saves and redeems, they get spiritual amnesia and forget about what God did for them. And some folks sometimes, they have the attitude when they come to church and they say, well, you ought to be glad I'm here. I'm sorry. You may not articulate that, but your demeanor says it. And if we're not careful, God looks back at us and say, no ma'am, no sir. You ought to be glad I allowed you to come here. I feel it now. You ought to be glad that I've allowed you for one more chance to come into my house. Because God has said for some of us, the death angel could have took us out last night. For some of us, the devil could have destroyed our family weeks ago, months ago. But Jesus said, I covered you and I gave you one more service. I gave you one more chance. You better take advantage and you better give me praise. You better give me glory. Because this might be your last opportunity. This may be your last. We have to understand. We have to understand, church. We have to understand that God, he wants our thanks. He wants our praise. He wants our worship. Notice the wording now. He doesn't need it. Don't miss me now. He does not need our worship. He does not need, I know what I'm saying. He does not need our praise. He does not need our thanksgiving. But he wants it. Hear me now. A few years ago at my home church back home, back home in Georgia, I'll never forget it was a Sunday morning and the church service was dead. It was dull. It was dry. I mean, they were singing off key. That won't happen here today. Y'all just did an outstanding job. Amen. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they didn't pray the morning before they got up. and so I don't know. I don't know if they were in sin. I don't know what was going on that Sunday. I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, it was just dead. And I came in from the back door. And it was so dead, I didn't even want to go in my own church, y'all. I was acting like I was a guest. What church is this? Amen. I didn't even want to go in there. There was some individual that came to me on the back uh, because out of nowhere, this backslider, he had came home. He had been coming off and on. He went down in the front, y'all, and with the singing being off, with it being dull and dry, he started tearing the church up in a good way. He started praising and worshiping and crying, and he started pacing back and forth, back and forth, and all of a sudden, something broke. And I'm in the back. I start feeling a little better. I said, this, this may be my church after all. Amen. I start feeling a little better. And the individual came to me. And they said, um, uh, 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 Pastor Myron, uh, uh, if, if, if we really knew, uh, if you really knew what he was involved in, uh, y'all will go sit him down. If, if you really knew uh, what we knew, uh, y'all would sit him down. And I stood there. That's the only guy we got worshiping. Man, if I sit him down, I don't know what. Okay. I said, you know what? I said, uh, I said, maybe God looked down in this dead, dry, dull apostolic service. And he said, uh, I can't get no praise from my holy folk like you. 
Don't get quiet. Y'all invited me. Don't get quiet. I said, maybe God looked down uh, and said, huh, I can't get no praise from my uh, dignified folks. Uh, my, my, my worship team ain't praising. My leaders ain't praising. Uh, my preachers ain't praising. God said, uh, excuse me. Uh, I'll cross over you with your holy self, with your sanctified self. He said, and I'll get a backslider. I feel good all by myself. He said, I'll get a backslider. I'll get somebody who don't look like you, but they want to give me praise. They want to give me glory. He said, I'll get praise from any." Y'all better hear me in this house. Uh, I say it again. Jesus, uh, he wants your praise, uh, but he does not need your praise. Uh, He said, sit down on your praise if you want to. Uh, He said, I'll make the trees start blowing. Uh, I'll make the moon shine. Uh, I'll make the sun shine. Uh, I'll make the stars twinkle. Uh, He said, if that's not enough, uh, I'll make the rocks cry out and give me praise. Uh, I don't know about you, honey, uh, but I don't want nobody else to take my place I don't want nothing else to take my place he's been too good to me I want to praise him for myself I want to worship him for myself he's been too good to me to let somebody else or something else take my my place. I got to hurry. I know it's Sunday morning. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. There is a man. I'm almost here now. There is a man by the name of Michael Newdow. Michael Newdow, this character, I'm saying that to be nice, he filed a litigation against the school district in California years ago. He is an attorney by education, a physician by occupation, and an atheist by denomination. He filed a lawsuit on behalf of his daughter who was in the public school system. Mr. Newdow's issue was, he said, I have a problem that you make my daughter say the Pledge of Allegiance. He said because in the Pledge of Allegiance, it says one nation under God. He said church and state, God and government is supposed to be separated. He says, and this is a public school which is federally funded. You have no right to make my daughter say one nation under God. If that was not enough, this character, Mr. Newdow, he also fought to have in God we trust taken off our money. He also filed a lawsuit to stop invocation prayers and references to God and religion from being a part of presidential inaugurations. He was asked one time, Mr. Newdow, why are you so adamant about taking Jesus to trial? Why are you so adamant about having him removed off of everything and from everywhere? He replied, and this is where this message was birthed from, he said, if Jesus is who organized religion says he is, then where is the evidence? And y'all forgive me today. I wish 
We could have held his case here today at Tree of Life. Because if all he wants to see is some evidence that there is a God, you ought to high five your neighbor and say, here it is, here it is, here it is. You ought to high five somebody and say, here it is, here we are, here we are. While defending or even prosecuting, many things can be used as evidence. But the best evidence, ladies and gentlemen, most of the time, God help me, is not phone records. It's not DNA. It's not even the murder weapon. But the best evidence you can have is a witness. God, I feel them in here. And I do believe today that at Tree of Life, there are some witnesses in this house that if they brought this trial to Cincinnati, Ohio today at this church at this moment, there are a remnant of witnesses in this house today who would have no shame in their game and would tell Mr. Newdow, if you want to see some evidence, put your glasses on, open up your eyes, and look me up and down because there is evidence right in your face. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I, I really can't decipher, I can't decipher uh, who are the witnesses uh, uh, and who aren't. So I need everybody to be seated. I need everybody to be seated, please. Everybody to be seated, please, because court is about to be in session. I just need to know where my witnesses are in this house today. Hold on, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Order in the court, order in the court. Everybody, everybody be seated, order. I need a gavel, I need a gavel. Order in the court, everybody be seated, everybody be seated. I just need to make sure I'm in the right house. All right, when I get to you, uh, stand. The first witness I want to call to stand are those who have had some ailments, some illnesses, some infirmities in your body. But Jesus said, with my stripes, you are hit. We got some... We got some witnesses in this house. If Jesus has ever healed your body, I need you to stand and shout, I'm evidence. Let the whole city know. Let the whole church know. I'm evidence. We got some witnesses in this house. We ought to take about 30 seconds and just give God praise for everybody he's healed, every disease he's conquered, every life he's saved. He is a healer. And there is evidence in this house. I said there is evidence in this house. 
He is a healer. All right, we got some evidence. We got some evidence. All right. Uh, the second witness, I feel God. The second witness, uh, I want to call to stand uh, are those of you who have been broke before. Those of you who have been down to nothing. Uh, those of you who did not know where your next meal was coming from. Uh, those of you who had more bills than money. Uh, but Jesus said, I shall supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. If Jesus has ever provided for you when it seemed impossible, if he's ever made a wait for you out of no way I need you to shout and tell your neighbor I'm evidence I'm evidence that he still provides I'm evidence that he's still a provider all right, court. Uh, court is still in session. Uh, I know it may not be legal, but I feel good. Uh, the third witness I want to call to stand uh, are those of you who should have lost your mind uh, because of all the stuff you've had to endure in your life. Uh, I'm talking to witnesses now uh, who should have went crazy uh, because of all the curveballs uh, that life has thrown your way. Uh, but Jesus said... Uh, I will keep your mind in perfect peace if Jesus has ever kept you when you were struggling with depression struggling with anxiety struggling with low self-esteem struggling with suicidal thoughts if he's ever rocked you to sleep if he's given you peace at the midnight hour you ought to lose your mind for him right now and shout I'm evidence I'm evidence I'm evidence I'm evidence, I'm evidence, I'm evidence. I got a witness in this house alright I got to move now the fourth the fourth witness I want to call to stand are those of you who've had some enemies in your life you've had some haters in your life can I just preach like I feel now you've had some foes in your life you've had some adversaries in your life you've had some folk who tried to assassinate your character they've tried to kill you but Jesus Jesus said with his bad self that no weapon that is formed against you I'm trying to behave on this Sunday shall be able to prosper and every tongue that rise up against you in judgment they shall be condemned for this is the heritage of the Lord y'all better hear me today if Jesus has ever made your enemies your footstool if Jesus has ever prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies I need somebody to get happy I need somebody to shout and say I'm evidence I'm evidence I'm evidence that he'll protect you I'm evidence that he'll cover you I'm evidence that he'll keep you Right. Uh, I gotta quit. I gotta quit. Uh, the fifth and the final witness. Uh, I want to call to stand. Hear me now. Uh, are those of you who have repented of your sins? 
You knew I was going there eventually. Uh, I'm looking for witnesses uh, who can say, Preacher, I've been baptized uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Uh, because Jesus said uh, that except a man be born uh, again of water and the Spirit, uh, he cannot see or enter uh, into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I'm just wondering today uh, if you you have been to the water if you have been baptized and spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came I want you to spin around in your seat I want you to spin around and let the world know I'm evidence I'm evidence I'm evidence I'm evidence You ought to grab your neighbor right now and say, help me worship him. Help me praise him. He made us evidence. He made us evidence. Come on, you ought to grab that neighbor and say, help me lift him up. Help me magnify him. He made us evidence. You ought to high five somebody around you and say, I'm evidence, I'm evidence. Uh, high five about three people around you uh, and just shout, I'm evidence, I'm evidence. Uh, come on, you ought to let somebody know, uh, I'm evidence. Uh, you ought to get out of your seat and get out in the aisle uh, and high five somebody uh, and say, I'm evidence uh, that God will make a way uh, out of no way. Uh, tell somebody, uh, I'm evidence uh, that he'll turn darkness uh, into day. Uh, come on, high five somebody. Uh, Hug somebody and shout, I'm evidence that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. You ought to pull on that neighbor and say, Help me praise him, help me worship him, help me lift him up. He made us evidence. Somebody shout, I'm evidence. Shout, I'm evidence. I'm evidence. I'm evidence. Woo! I'm evidence. I'm evidence. I'm evidence. He made me, little old me, evidence. And every time I look in the mirror, no matter how bad my life may be at the time, when I see my reflection and realize I'm still inhaling and exhaling, I'm evidence. I'm evidence. I'm evidence that there is a God and that he loves me. There's people in this house. Everybody remain standing. There's people in this house today. No doubt from all walks of life. It's so good to see everybody. The house is packed. God is here. God is here. And what I love about this is that this house is not just packed with people, which is wonderful, and, and, and God gets the glory for that. But not only is this house packed with physical bodies, but it's packed with power. It's packed with anointing, there's such liberty in this house. There's so many people here, all walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds.
different contexts. But all of you have a story. All of you have a testimony. It may not be like mine. It may be like mine. I don't know. But whatever your story is, that's your evidence. No matter how small you may think, no matter how great, that's your evidence. And you safeguard that evidence. You protect it. So during the rough times when you feel like God is nowhere around and God don't love me and, and maybe I should just turn my back and give up on this thing. You go back to that evidence. And say, how can I forsake him now? How can I walk away now? How? How can I crucify him afresh now? I mean, he's given me this much evidence that he's real and that he's for me. No doubt with a crowd like this, there's people here today. No matter how much you're smiling right now, no matter if you've served and worked today, operating your position, there are needs in this house. There are physical needs. There are people sick in their body. And you've seen the other witnesses who shouted and danced and said, I'm a witness that God is a healer. Well, I got good news for you. God also is not a respecter of persons. If he gave them evidence, he can heal you today and give you give you evidence. There's people, no doubt, in this house. There's marital needs. Husbands and wives, stuff going on. Divorce papers on the table, sleeping in separate bedrooms. Whatever it is, God can help all of us today. There's psychological, there's emotional, there's mental needs in this house. Your mind is bombarded, your mind is perplexed, your mind is tormented, demented. And you see everybody else shouting that God has kept my mind. Guess what? He can do it for you today. He can do it for you. There's people, there's people here who has never repented of their sins, never asked God to forgive them for the stuff they've done, never reached out and tried to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, never been baptized in water in Jesus' name. And there's so many witnesses around you that have experienced that. They can testify. It will change your life. I want hands, hands raised all across this house. And as your hands are raised, altar workers, if you could come down to the front. Confirmed altar workers, whoever you are, I don't know who you are, but if you're a pastor, if this ministry has approved you, I need you to come down to this altar and face the crowd right now. Altar workers, intercessors, department head leaders, whoever's approved. I need everybody praying out there right now. Everybody praying right now. I need folks praying right now. I need people interceding right now. God bless you, Brother Tyler. God bless you. Come on, everybody praying right now for a few moments before I release you right now. Before I release you. Come on, everybody praying. I don't know what need you have in your body, in your house, in your mind, in your heart. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But God knows you're in here today. And he wants to make you evidence. He wants to make you evidence. He wants to give you your own evidence so that you can rejoice with others and say, he did it for me.
I've experienced healing. I've experienced salvation. I've experienced deliverance. He wants you to have your own. He wants you to have your own. Everybody, hands raised right now. A few more minutes. I'm getting ready to release you, I promise you. Move, move, God, move, God, move. Begin to convict God. Begin to prick, begin to encourage God. Whatever they need, God, begin to do it. I ask you right now. I pray upon the power of the Holy Ghost, the power that's in your name, Jesus, the authority of the Word of God. Let miracles, signs, and wonders take place right before our very eyes today, God. Give us evidence. Fresh evidence, God. Fresh, fresh evidence, God, that you are for us and not against us. All across this house as you're praying, if you need something in your life, I want you to step out of your seat and come down to this altar. And I want you to come as close as you can. Make room for everybody. Whatever need you have in your life, I need you to come right now. Don't take too long. Don't think about it. Don't worry about who's around you, what somebody going to think about you. I need you to move right now. God is getting ready to feel some folks right now. God is getting ready to refill some folks right now. God is getting ready to heal and deliver. Come on. Let's give God praise. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. And they're coming. Altar workers are beginning to start laying hands on them right now. You can ask them whatever they have need of, whatever they want prayer for. But I need you to be spirit-led right now. Come on, I need some people praying right now. I need some people praying right now. Come on, something's getting ready to happen. Something is getting ready to transpire in the spirit. Something is getting ready to take place. Evidence, evidence, evidence. He's getting ready to make you evidence. He's getting ready to make you evidence. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's getting ready to make you evidence. I feel the spirit of the living God in this house. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this tabernacle. Evidence. Evidence. Heal me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Feel me, Jesus. Make me evidence. Come on, that's it. There's more of you that ought to be down here. There's more of you that ought to be at this altar right now. There's more of you ought to be down here reaching for Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you to do something in my life. I need you to do something that nobody else can do. I need you. Come on, that's it. Come on. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I don't care how young or old you are, you need to experience that. You need to experience that. If you've never spoken in tongues before, reach out to Jesus right now. Repent in your heart and let him fill you. 
there's healing here. There's healing here. There's miracles here. There's miracles here. Miracles, miracles. Miracles! 